Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Hey friends, welcome to Private Club Radio episode number 178. It's a pleasure to have you with me here this morning. And I've got a fantastic guest to bring on the show, Mark Pansiera of the Pacific Institute. Mark will be joining us to talk about how habits, attitudes, beliefs, and expectations can impact results, how to increase your leadership effectiveness by harnessing the power of concepts like blind spots, comfort zones, limiting versus liberating beliefs, and how to identify where ineffective thinking exists. It's an intriguing episode all about mindset, and I think you're going to enjoy that interview coming up very soon. Now, as I mentioned last week on the show, I'm participating in the Florida Club Managers Association Seminole Region Marathon Golf Event. So I'm going to be golfing as many as 100 holes trying to raise money for children's charities such as the Special Olympics, SOS Children Homes, and many others around the state of Florida. And I could really use your help. I'm looking for any kind of donation uh, per hole. And like I said, I'm trying to go for 72 to 100 holes played and every single penny counts. You can donate a quarter per hole. You could donate 50 cents per hole. And you can do that over at privateclubradio.com slash marathon. It would be a great help to many children out there. And I would be forever indebted to you for your generous donation. So it's privateclubradio.com slash marathon. The other thing I want to mention this morning is that I've been looking for some time for a good guest to come on and chat about yacht clubs and lend some expertise in that area, which we really haven't covered much here on the show. And I've had a number of requests. So I'm reaching out to you, the listener, to see if you've got any connections, any general managers or directors over at some yacht clubs that might be able to come on the show and chat with us. That would be fantastic. Just have them email me directly, gabe at privateclubagency.com. All right, without further ado, here is our featured guest. Well, our guest today is Mark Pansiera of the Pacific Institute, which specializes in optimizing organizations, teams, and leaders for peak performance. Mark has worked with Fortune 1000 companies, government agencies, healthcare systems, educational institutions, athletic teams, and nonprofit organizations. And he's here to share his wisdom with us. So Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Gabe. Yeah. Well, first thing I want to know about is, is the Pacific Institute and what it is you guys actually do. Surely. Uh, the Pacific Institute is a performance consulting company in the most general of terms, but we specialize in mindset, basically giving people the tools to to change the way they think in order to drive greater personal and professional performance and in organizations that that relates to helping leaders lead others in a more impactful way and to really align teams and, and to um, – uh, benefits support cultures for peak performance, not only for the organization, but for for the uh, stakeholders within the company and uh, outside of the company as well, the end user, the customer. That's fantastic. And you've got a pretty intriguing story about how you got into the Pacific Institute. So I'd love for you to share that with us, Mark. 
Sure. Well, interestingly enough, about a dozen years ago, I brought the Pacific Institute into our funeral home company. I'm a third-generation funeral director, born and raised. Um, and uh, we wanted to really help those that were dealing with the loss of a loved one, um, help them in that grief journey, in that recovery journey. And uh, we brought the Pacific Institute in, hearing that they were well acclaimed in that category, just helping people uh, tap into their potential to drive greater personal performance, to build themselves as individuals. I said, well, l let me attempt to help these individuals going through the most challenging time of their life. And so I brought the Pacific Institute in um, to uh, facilitate one of our Wings of Hope programs, our bereavement recovery programs. And when I learned what they shared, the Pacific Institute shared during that session, I said, oh, my gosh, I, I want more of this for myself, because what it did it really provided a replacement picture. Um, it, it, it was more about recovery and, and moving, moving into well-being, flourishing in life, uh, uh, being you know focusing on wellness, personal and and uh, well psychological, personal wellness. And I said, oh my gosh, this could help anyone, whether it's in this very challenging line of work, if you will. Um, or in the boardroom or in the locker room. So I sort of cut the lifeboats off, burnt the boats, as, as the term goes, <laughs> and uh, brought a partner in along with my wife, of course, to uh, run the funeral homes. And I've just been all into the Pacific Institute um, since that day. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> that was pretty forward, uh, yeah. forward thinking of you to do that for your, for your uh, folks there at the funeral home as well. Well, thank you for saying that. Um, we wanted it to be more of just a self-help group. We wanted to really give them the tools for change. Yeah. And um, and I, I researched the Institute. They were introduced to me, and I, I researched them, and I, I brought them in as, in as a guest speaker, and I saw the impact it had on me. And one specific exercise that we went through, it's called the scotoma exercise. The word scotoma means blindness or blind spot in Greek, and, and it's a, it was a special little exercise that we put the group through to share with them that, that they, might not be ha they might not have the, all of the, the tools in the toolbox that they need to really move into flourishing, back into flourishing in life, and, and uh, they might have some blind spots, some holdbacks in their habits, attitudes, beliefs, and expectations about the new form of their existence without their loved one. And I went through that scotoma exercise, that blind spot exercise as well, and I said, oh, my gosh, man, what am I missing? <laughs> you I mean, saw all the stuff that you were missing, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, it was more about me. I was putting That's the funny. oxygen mask on myself, as they say, when you're flying, and the, and the flight <laughs> attendant says, take care of yourself first so you can take care of others afterwards. So I did that, and I really scratched my head and said, man, I thought I was doing darn well in my life and in my career, but I'm hitting my own glass ceiling. So I, I started to uncover my own scotomas, and I said, well, how can I be a caregiver to others beyond funeral service? How can I breathe life into the living instead of just serving the bereaved, serving the dead? Hmm. And um, it was with that, through that very exercise, Gabe, that it was just an aha moment, and I said, boom, I, I need to... I need to, well, very much like I, I may be dating myself here, but if all of, if you or, or your listeners remember that commercial, I believe it was uh, Remington Shaver, Victor Kayam, 
uh, back in the 90s, I believe he was shaving his face on, on, on a commercial saying, I love the shave so much, I bought the company. So fast forward, that was a dozen years ago, I had the good fortune to become a partner in the Institute when all I did was be introduced to it back in 2012. So it's just setting that that mindset or resetting my mindset, repainting that picture for myself that I said, you know, uh, again, burn the boats. Um, what's my replacement picture when it comes to my, my career and my life? And, um, and the rest is history. I just love the work that we do in mindset is we really help leaders impact others uh, in, in, a, in a more constructive, enabling way so everybody can really be the best selves that they can be. Yeah, that's fascinating, Mark. That's, that's really incredible. Um, you guys have identified some contributing factors that impact results. So what are some of those, Mark? Sure. Um, well, individuals, uh, well, I could say this. Firstly, the same the same holdbacks or limiting factors that impact results individually relate to results in organizations, with teams or organizations. And the core drivers to those are our habits of thought, our, our beliefs, our expectations as it relates to our results. What are, are they limiting us or are they liberating us? And we've got all this emotional history um, that is, that's in our subconscious I'm not talking about psychology here. I'm talking about little translation of, of neuroscience, brain science, basically translating brain science to business, the brain to business. But it's, it's these holdbacks that we actually give people the tools to think about what they think about. And so what habits of thought might, you, um, might have you habitualized, if you will, that really aren't serving you well? Um, what are your expectations? Do you expect a bad day on a Monday or your expectations, no, I'm going to nail this. And, and you're as excited on a Monday as you are on a Friday. No, I'm giving it, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of sharing this in a, with a broad brush approach. But if, if you're using business terms, if, if you've got, you know, a budgetary target and, and you expect to achieve it, well, you're, you're going to uncover ways to do that in a more in, um, uh, invigorating, motivating, collaborative, innovative way than if it's, you know, there is no way we're going to be able to accomplish this goal. And so those holdbacks, that very self-talk, many of your listeners may be aware of self-talk and how it can either help us or hurt us, that little committee in our mind that, that talks to us 24-7 while we're sleeping as well, subconsciously saying, man, you're just... You know, you're just not tooled up to do this. You don't have the skill set to do this. Um, well, I can tell you consciously, don't even try it because if that's what you believe, and this is expectancy theory, uh, worked on by Dr. Albert Bandura and his efficacy theory as well on our causative power to achieve a goal. Bottom line is if you don't expect to be able to achieve it, don't even try it because you won't be able to. So self-talk is just such a limiting or liberating factor. Um, comfort zones as well. You know, are you comfortable with your status quo? Well, I was back 12 years ago, but when I realized all the stuff I was missing, I became very uncomfortable in my current reality, within, in my comfort zone. So I threw myself out of my comfort zone and basically, as mentioned, stopped taking a paycheck, cutting the light boats off and just getting after it with this new line of work. And I was just so committed to make it happen because I, I was very motivated 
uh, by the very um, consideration of, of helping people on a grander scale. That's called cognitive dissonance, throwing yourself out of order to, make, to, to, to work back into a higher law, uh, order of success. So to, uh, that was a long answer to your question, short question, but what are some limiting fa- factors? Self-talk, comfort zones, um, locking on ways that you've done things in the past, locking out uh, opportunities and solutions going forward. Uh, so, and, and that all lives within our subconscious that we have just picked up along the way since we were kids. Yeah. I want to step into some of those a little a little bit more deeply with you, Mark, and especially uh, comfort zones, because you did something that's pretty drastic. Obviously, you, 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 you changed your entire profession and uh, your entire business. But what would be some of the ways that people can do that maybe on a smaller scale in their own career paths? Absolutely. Um, well, I tell you what, let, let's start with just a simple analogy to a career path, and that might be a New Year's resolution. Okay. Because so many set a New Year's resolution, and uh, um, you know they're all torqued up about it on December 31st when the ball drops in Times Square, and then they stick to the regiment January 1st, January 2nd, waking up in the morning, exercising, or maybe not having that, that extra bit of dessert, whatever the case may be. But, but that then wanes. It, it, the energy is lost because you're tired in the morning or you really wanted that extra nibble or whatever the case may be. Well, and I'm going to liken that back to a career change, but let's, let's just focus on New Year's resolutions first um, because I think we're all familiar with that. So um, as it relates to New Year's resolutions or any kind of somewhat simple goal, getting up 30 minutes earlier, going outside, taking a you know, 20-minute walk uh, before work, well, it, it's all about replacement pictures. And if the picture that you have in your mind is stronger than the new replacement picture, and that is feeling more healthy, you know, uh, wearing a different, uh, a different, you know, a, a different waist size, um, bringing your cholesterol level down, having your blood pressure decrease, um, you know, just just in general, uh, feeling like you're really committed to your well-being and wellness more than you have been in the past. If that replacement picture is stronger than your comfort zone, stronger than, man, get that extra 30 minutes, um, or you know, not really caring about what the doctor says about losing that you know extra weight in order to to get your blood pressure down, whatever the case may be, or your cholesterol levels. If your replacement picture isn't stronger than your current reality, your comfort zone, don't even worry about setting that goal because you're not going to be able to achieve it because we move towards the strongest picture in our mind. Hmm. And, and we need to be able to celebrate every morning when we get up after we accomplish that goal saying, yes, I did it. Yes, I made it. Um, because you, you have to celebrate those successes in order to have the energy, it's called proximal goal setting and achievement, to move towards the distal or long-term goals and achievements. So a couple of things. You have to have that stronger picture in your mind and keep painting in your mind, but then celebrating the short-term successes along the way. Now, going back to a, a career change, is your current reality just not satisfactory any longer? You know, whether it's your, your state of, uh, of, of uh, income, you know, your, your ability to earn or, you know, that uh, the vacations that, that you'd rather be taking or the, the, um, 
the additional bling that you want to invest in for yourself or ch- children's education or, or savings for a rainy day. If, if those things, if those pictures are stronger than the picture of your current reality, then you're going to move towards them. If not, you're not going to, you're not only going to not set the goal, but if you set it, you're just not going to be committed to it. But a simple answer is to make sure that the direction that you want to head in, that you really want it. You're telling yourself in your mind, I want this. It's not a have to, because if it's a have to, your brain will push back on you and you'll, you'll fail, fail. But if it's a want to, you want to set short-term proximal goals and achieve them and celebrate them along the way because that will keep your energy up as it relates to achieving your next level of performance. Did all that make sense? Absolutely. Now, you know, some people use things like vision boards or, you know, tools like that. Is there any particular tools that you suggest when people are really thinking about that goal or thinking about that new reality that they want to bring about? Sure. A vision board is something very, very useful. And for your listeners, it's just a matter of having, um, you know, illustrative imagery that uh, that you have constantly in your line of sight, image board. So you cut out pictures of the vac- they, that vacation or maybe the new home or the new kitchen or or the amount of money in your savings account. And, and the reason why those things work, and it ties back to visualization, yes, but also affirmation, affirming that you possess that what you seek. So you're, it's creating that dissonance in your mind move because because it, it 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 you don't have it yet so it drives energy to get to to get to uh that that new level of performance but i'm going to give you a formula that's backed by neuroscience because we think in pictures words pictures and emotions and and here's the formula and i'll explain um i times v raised to the e power equals r i is for imagination times V, vividness, E with emotion equals reality. Because the brain doesn't know the difference between something vividly imagined and the actual experience. So vision boarding is certainly very, very important. You, you, can, you see it and you move towards it. We're teleological. We move towards what we think about. But also affirming it. The constant repetition in your mind that, you know, I, I, am, so, I am so pleased and, and enthused about the vacation that, that I'm leaving for tomorrow. Uh, I deserve it. I've worked hard for it, and I can just see myself watch it, walk in the beach of Jamaica, um, uh, you know, enjoying the, enjoy the sun and surf. So even if I don't have it yet, that's that affirmation, that I'm confirming that, man, I own this. I own this. And that's certainly the visioning that you own it with, with um, illustrations. Uh, but then also actioning, make making sure that you're putting that money aside on a regular basis so you see your balance increasing mm-hmm. in order to afford that vacation. So it's, it's all of the above. It's, it's multi-sensory that you want to get your mind involved with because the brain doesn't know something vividly imagined, that actual experience. You want to practice that formula of imagination times vividness with emotion equals reality to start reprogramming your mind to move towards the very thing that you're seeking. I love that. That's fantastic. And I hope that our listeners will take that to heart for sure. The other thing you mentioned there was limiting versus liberating beliefs. And I want to dive in a little deeper on those. 
First off, Mark, what are some of the more common limiting beliefs that you see leaders experience? Sure. Um, We've always done it this way before. It's good enough as it is. We tried it that way before. These folks have, I, I, they, they might, they have lit, they had, and I don't want to be critical, but the leader might have a view of their, of those that they lead with, with limited potential, with limited, a limited skill set. So it is putting parameters on the very potential um, for the change, uh, for their, for the people that they lead for the innovation that they could they could actually ignite. So it's their own limiting beliefs, and they in turn, even though they may not be spoken, if they are subliminal, if they are subconscious, if it, if it is something that's entrenched and sconced in the leader's mind, it's going to come out in, in, a, in, a, in a way to sabotage innovation, to sabotage um, uh, new ways of thinking. Um, in ways that won't support and enable in a constructive way those that they lead. So they will be impacting those that they lead in a way that they don't want to have happen, but just based on their own self-talk, it will be a self, uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. Hmm. Wow. And, and, and how, do you, how do you make that shift? How do you turn those limiting beliefs into liberating ones? Certainly. Well, firstly, the leader needs to be aware that there might be those very limitations in their own mind. Um, Leaders need to move towards a growth mindset, believing that that uh, that they are that that the that it's up to them to help those that they lead truly tap into their potential to drive greater performance. And how do you do that? Well, you do that by painting painting a great picture so those that they lead can visually imagine what the, what's in the leader's mind. So what's that higher purpose? What's that North Star? star? What is that, what, what's that vision that's greater than the team, that, or I should say greater than any individual on the team that the, that, the, that the team can aspire to, that higher purpose why? And then what's in it for the team, that whole with them, what's in it for me? Well, making sure that that the team understands not only the higher purpose why, but but how they're going to get there and 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 how they're going to be benefited along the way, and then making sure that the leader is grateful, that the leader is showing gratitude to those that they lead in a very inspiring way, making sure that everybody knows that their efforts make a difference. So um, it's awareness that there might be blind spots on behalf of the leader. Uh, the acceptance of those very limitations, and then actioning, actioning the very replacement picture, if you will, so they can achieve at a higher level. And the focus is more on a, a more of versus less of mindset, an abundant mindset. What, what do we want more of? What kind of, what kind of behaviors do we want more of on the team versus what are we going to focus on that's been holding us back? So it's more about abundant thinking than scarcity thinking, and because people are going to move move towards that, and and really model model the behavior that the that the leader is now um, supporting. You know, what is the leader modeling, and and what is the leader mentoring them up to 
uh, to becoming. And it all goes back to the understanding of the limiting beliefs. What's the thinking in the leader's mind that then gets superimposed on the team? Because thinking is born in beliefs, and that's what drives behavior. So we got to start at those root causes. So again, paint that higher picture why, what, the direction that we're, that we're heading in, um, so people are accountable, so people are, are engaged, celebrate the successes along the way, those short-terms, those short-term what's in it for me, those whiffums, and then celebrate those successes by making sure everybody knows that their effort makes a difference. I gave you a lot there. Hopefully that, um, that answered your question. Yeah. Now, I just do want to dive even a little deeper. I feel like I'm going down the rabbit hole a little bit, but I think it's, it's a good, in a good way. Um, sure. You talked about the, the abundance versus scarcity mindset. Is there one exercise that people could do or one tip that you would give for people to change that thinking in their brain? Because it's, it's so easy, even if you, know, you, you want to think that, oh, yeah, I, I think abundantly all the time. It's, it's, it's almost a natural default mode to go into scarcity. And so how do you make that switch? Well, just articulate what you have and be grateful for it. I mean, there's so much out there about gratitude being the unyielding fuel for courage. But that said, um, let's talk about the resources that are available to us, because so often folks are all about scarcity. I mean, we do a lot of work in, in banks and community, well, banking, financial services. And I mean, you can't control the Fed. You can't control interest rates. I mean, that's scarce thinking. If if you're going to be have the woe is me mentality as it relates to the low margins, and, and that's changing now, but you know, back in the 80s, 90s, and then um, into the last several years. But if, if, you, if you focus on what you don't have, you know, I, we don't have large margins, uh, so, so selling this is not going to be a profitable venture for us. Or, you know, we, we always get customer service scores, um, something less than perfect, but, but that's good enough for us. I mean, good enough mindsets or, you know, um, you know limited resources and focusing on those limitations or, um, again, that going back to that we've always done it that way and it's good and this is – and, and this is how we're always going to continue to do it. Well, you know, if, if, it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So those are, those are things that we hear, hear of often in organizations or even in, in, in with club managers, you know, just, just dealing with a conversation of around, around millennials. Oh, millennials have all of these limitations, and, and, they're, and, they're, and they're pretty regularly uh, put in a box. And and uh, we impose definitions on these individuals. Well, I'm a, I'm a uh, baby boomer, and I just remember when I was coming up, my parents' generation, the silent generation, the great generation, they would label us. But we, we, we don't want to put these limiting beliefs on others because that's going to become um, the standard operating procedure to, to uh, work within. So going back to your question – giving you some examples, well, all right, here are the resources that, that are available to us. What is our goal? Our goal is 15% increase in revenue. All right, let's start painting a picture of what our organization looks like with the 15% or 15% or, or growth in membership in, in, your, in the club world, if you will. Uh, well, what does that look like? 
with 15% more members year over year or 20%. What does that look like? We're going to be able to invest more in our, in our golf course or in our, in our tennis courts or, or in our you know, banquet facilities or, or, or. So you start painting that picture with an abundance mindset of what, what it would look like, feel like, smell like, taste like when we have all the resources necessary to have you know, exponential growth versus having this limited six, seven, six, uh, single-digit growth over the you know, uh, year over year as we've been experiencing thus far. So it's painting that picture of what it would look like, feel like, taste like, smell like if we're looking at um, our resources in a more abundant way because then our mind is set on finding those resources, doing what it takes to achieve at higher levels than we've experienced in our past with our limiting beliefs in our comfort zones. Hopefully that gave you a bit more um, meat, if you will. I can go deeper if you like, but after you, please, Gabe. Well, I, I like that. And one, try, one thing I, I try to do and I probably still fail at to some degree is really practice gratitude. I think that's a great tip. And in, in, in fact, every dinner uh, with my sons, the first thing I ask them as we're eating is what are they grateful for today? And I think that that's such an important uh, shift that will really affect your entire life. If you can make that one little, one little uh, change in your life to really focus on what, what good is happening in your life and what you can be grateful for. So that's a, that's a fantastic tip. And you just supported the answer to your, to your earlier question. That is how do you do that in organization? Well, I, gratitude is vitally important. Altruism vitally important, especially with multi-generations in the workplace. They want to under the people in the workplace. Now they want to know that their effort makes a difference at a higher level. What am I doing beyond myself? So that's vitally important. If you focus on what you're grateful for, that drives abundant thinking because you're thinking about what you do have. You're focused on the right target. You're focused on the items, the resources, the assets that are going to get you across the finish line versus woe is me, what I don't have. So it's that replacement picture, the very thing I thought of when I, when I changed professions. Man, was I scared? Absolutely. But it was euphoric stress versus – and that was a little bit – fearful, like, oh my gosh, what am I stepping into? But it wasn't debilitating because this, the picture, the replacement picture was so very strong. So in organizational setting, are you using I times V with emotion equals reality? Are you using that same visualization as a leader to paint that picture for all the, those that you're leading? And that goes back to being grateful for what you have. What resources do we have in order to really stretch ourselves? to achieve at a level greater than we've experienced thus far. You can't go into that with the woe is me thinking. And as a leader, you just can't allow the woe is me conversations to go on when you are facilitating that meeting. Absolutely. That's, that's fantastic. I'd love to hear uh, a case or a story for you, maybe one of the most difficult situations that you had to walk into in an organization and how you were able to turn that around, Mark. Absolutely. Um, we've worked with, organizations across across most sectors but this one organization that we worked with they were in the hospitality and customer service was vitally important to them and they used the net promoter score and their goal was to achieve nines and tens meaning that people would absolutely return and they would and they would recommend this organization um, to family and friends they would recommend the organization to others and when we first started to work with them 
their scores were in the bottom 10% of of the same class of businesses, and that was woeful, woeful, woeful for them. Um, and we we did an assessment on their culture, and we realized that their culture was very misaligned. It was not constructive. It was de, it was de, divisive. It was um, it wasn't supportive of the very mindset that that they needed in order to drive high customer satisfaction ratings. And so we put this organization through our mental technology programs and our coaching and consulting, and we then um, reassessed them, and they had an extraordinary lift in their culture scores. But most importantly, most importantly, they went from the bottom 10% to the top 10% when it came to the net promoter scores, superior customer service satisfaction, uh, high scores of meeting expectations, having repeat business, and then certainly having others recommend their business. So there was a direct correlation between the alignment of the people in the company, um, their understanding of, of the target, uh, the, net, the, the, the increase in, in their customer satisfaction ratings, and there was a commensurate lift in their in their culture scores as mentioned so they went from bottom 10% to top 10% and they went from the bottom of the spectrum when it came to cultural alignment our cultural index to the top 10% so i mean it was just an extraordinary correlation and uh, for your listeners i'm 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 thinking that that would uh, uh, really align well to to the um, to what they're expecting at their clubs as well when it comes to guest experience. Without getting into any you know, confidential details or anything, what were some of the shifts that you took that team through? Well, going back to some of the mentions that I shared earlier, um, people were not clear on the why, the higher purpose of the organization. They weren't clear on the vision. They weren't clear on on the path to get there. And so there were just a lot of disparate parts. These were well-meaning people, but they didn't have a picture for success. And so the leaders began to define that picture better than ever before. But it's not just you know, the visual, visual nature of it. It's, it's the beliefs and the behaviors to, to execute upon that vision. And so they got very, very articulate in, in what beliefs and behaviors, really behaviors, did they expect to to see play out in the organization, and then and that changed the belief system of the teammates. And so uh, along that path, they also put in uh, markers so everybody knew when they were achieving the the um, achieving the steps along their success journey, and they were celebrating those successes. Small wins along the way were able to catapult them to the to the larger. Uh, to the larger picture goal. So, you know, painting a clear picture, defining the behaviors that we're going to get them there, and then celebrating those behaviors once they hit those short-term achievement marks um, really drove them to, to their, uh, their higher goal attainment. And then al- along the way as well, you know, the leaders were, were making it very clear that they appreciated the efforts of all of those in the organization. So, so not only with tangible, the, the, the tangible incentives, if you will, but also just sharing a smile and, and recognizing the folks in front of their peers saying, job well done. 
if folks want to find out more about some of these services and learn more about you, Mark, and the Pacific Institute, what's the best place to do that? Surely. Well, uh, certainly go to our website, thepacificinstitute.com. Uh, reach out to me directly. Our toll-free 1-800 number is 844-200-8649. Again, 844-200-8649. But uh, certainly link in with me. Connect with me on LinkedIn because we have uh, we have got a daily – well, I do a, a weekly vlog – which is a video snippet of these very type concepts. And then also on our website, we've got something that, that's called the Winner Circle, and it's our daily blog. It's a, it's a newsletter, but it gives on a daily basis these little uh, golden nuggets of information on mindset and personal and professional development as well. That's really cool. And you're doing something really special for our listeners as well. You're offering a free personal mindset assessment. So tell us what that's all about, Mark. Surely. We actually measure, can measure mindset, those habits, attitudes, beliefs, and expectations that are either holding us back, limiting us, or liberating us. We've got it in a personal form and also in a leadership form. And it's called, it, our assessments are called uh, our blueprint assessment suite. Uh, we do it for for organizational cultures, leaders, individuals, but it actually measures limiting and liberating beliefs and, and gives, gives a roadmap to how to close that gap to move towards the constru- constructive mindset, a growth mindset, and, and literally tools to help get you there. And then I could, I could certainly help with some coaching uh, as well to help um, have the individuals understand the dynamics of their assessment and how to action it as well. But, but just reach out to me. My, my email address is M for Mark Panciera, P as in Peter, A-N-C-I-E-R-A, at thepacificinstitute.com. Uh, they can either reach back out through you, Gabe, or come directly to me, and I'd be happy to send them a link for the, for the complimentary survey then I'll circle back with their results and, and coach them through it. That's fantastic. And in fact, if you could send me that link, then I'll put it right in the show notes for this episode. So that way people can just scroll down, hit that link, and uh, take that assessment. That's really cool of you, Mark. Thanks so much. Beautiful. And just You're welcome. An, I really enjoyed our conversation, and I really appreciate you coming on Private Club Radio. Thanks so much, man. Thank you for having me, Gabe. And cheers to everyone's success. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks for joining us this week on Private Club Radio. Don't forget the Marathon Golf, where you can make your donations at privateclubradio.com slash marathon. I'll catch you back next week. Until then, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners, helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Concert Golf has the capital expertise and private club hospitality experience to help upscale private clubs achieving long-term success and membership growth. For 25 years, Concert Golf has allowed private club members to focus on simply enjoying their club. Visit concertgolfpartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process.